Wines World with Dwayne Russell. We're right around Australia. Cam Luke in for Dwayne Russell. Werribee Kia open line is, as always, open. one 736 And a 40 wings temper text on fire. The question today, favourite sports star over the summer. So plenty of temper texts. I've got prizes to give away that I'm going to give away before the hour is done. Peter Jackson, $100 voucher up for grabs. Pataki hams galore. And, of course, if you like your golf, Club Mandalay, beautiful part of the world, go down, have a hit on us. You and a mate, grab a cart, Club Mandalay, 18 holes to give away. And, in fact... The last time I went to Club Mandalay, I played with this particular person. Actually, Pete Hawley, number one analyst in the game. NBL firing up. Now the fever break is done. We're into the second half for the year. Pete, hello to you. Thanks, Aaron. I remember that. You, uh, what, was, what is the hole 11 over the water? And yep. you put two straight in there and mm. I, you haven't been back. No, I, I, that's 100% accurate. You know, I sometimes get my uh, ambition for Instagram caught up with my actual ability. And that's what happened mm. on that course. Anyway, uh, let's get to the NBL. Let's start with Adelaide because it's interesting uh, when you're in National League and, and all sports have to deal with it. Travel is never easy and you have to get on planes. You have done it collegiately and I'm dead as a pro here in the NBL. But, geez, they were really, really, really flat. They were disgusting on the court, but they were really flat on the NBL for the scheduling where they had to go to New Zealand then back to Tasmania. Do they have any leg to stand on, do you think, Pete? Yeah, I think they definitely have a leg to stand on just because you put yourself, anyone's been in any sort of travel, at really any level where you've got to wake up at, at 3 a.m. and you land and obviously there's going to be a time difference in New Zealand and uh, it's going to take a toll on you. But what I think kind of ruins their stance is they, they made the comments of it being a tough road trip before that even mm-hmm. left, saying it's, uh, it's going to be shocking and itinerary. And when you've already planted that seed, you, you've kind of already given up on uh, any hope to kind of have a good result. And as soon as they lose that first game to New Zealand, where you could have ripped that second game off against Tasmania, it was never going to come out the right way. But um, I've had a lot worse road trips uh, in my career, both college and professional, and even in um, playing for United when we played in Invercargill. I think we had to wake up at 3 o'clock or something in the morning uh, to catch a flight to New Zealand and then drive down to Invercargill. So uh, something just aren't ideal. It's just how you make the best of a bad situation and you can, can be character building or you can kind of fall apart and they fell apart. I think you put, hit the nail on the head. It was actually on uh, Sports Day SA last week on the SCN Radio Network where Scott Ninnis put it on the agenda straight up last Wednesday. said the NBL need to to look at this. And, and you've been in this situation, not necessarily around travel, but the moment there's some negativity or an excuse is already half given prior to the actual contest happening, and it, it, it gives the 36ers players an excuse. They don't deserve excuses because they haven't quite played good, uh, good basketball all year. But by putting it on the agenda means they've already spoken about it internally, which automatically gave them an out, which probably didn't help when it got to Tasmania on Saturday night. Yeah, it's, it's the excuse part of it is correct, but it's also it's it's planting that seed that then goes okay. We, we all arrive at the airport. I think Jason Kenny made a comment, uh, yeah, in the news on uh, Channel Seven or something the day before they left. So that that seed's been planted. It's a rough schedule. So you arrive at the airport at four thirty in the morning, uh, and you've already got that negative energy. No one wants to be there, rather than just saying, oh, well, this sucks, but let's get a coffee, let's get a couple of coffees in us, and go from there. And then obviously, in hindsight, you're probably looking at. Do we want to have a game day shoot around? What's more important, getting some sleep or uh, getting some shots up? And maybe you change that if you did it again to uh, just having a team walk and then getting to the stadium a little earlier to get shots up. There's a lot of things you could do differently. And um, I've never done the New Zealand then Tasmania. I'm sure that would be hard as well. But 
as I said, you lose that first game with the seed planted, then that's been watered, and you go into Tasmania, and I mean, they look flat, but they just look like they'd given up, didn't they? Who's the best team in the league? I think it's still Melbourne United. Um, there's been, I mean, Perth coming right now. Tasmania are right up there, make no mistake. And they're a team that uh, when they get to the finals, if they have a series against United or if Sydney's there, they're not going to be afraid. Um, and they're probably the best team offensively and defensively since Will Magnus come in. So mm-hmm. I think Tassie's right up there, but that depth of Melbourne United is going to be tough over a five-game series. I'll ask you because you've been in this situation, fever break, famously 2018, Break off a bad loss, two weeks, toughest. It's been well documented. You come out and, and found form. Dean Vickerman is extremely, extremely hardcore defensive coach. And this is what I'm interested to see about how disappointing they were defensively on Sunday, Melbourne. Cairns were brilliant. Got a lot of open shots. They got, in fact, anything they wanted into the first half. How do you think Dean Vickerman, knowing that he gave up so many points on the back of a break, would have dealt with that team on Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday, when they got back on the practice court? Yeah, it wouldn't be fun. Uh, there'd be a few tough days there early on. And again, it's a week between games. And it's one of those that if you ever play for Dean Vickerman and you give up 115 points or you just have a really poor defensive outing, you're just praying you've got a game in two days' time where you don't have to get on the practice court because you know what's coming. But uh, I still, my only concern with Melbourne, it's weird to say, my concern is, is them being too healthy for not long enough because they've got so, they've probably got 11 or 12 players really who deserve to play 20 minutes or more, which is just impossible to do. And they've had 57 seconds of everybody healthy. So what happens then? How do they figure all that out? That's something that's going to be very interesting to watch. Perth, a month ago, six weeks ago, everyone was talking about the fact that, you know, Trevor Gleeson here, of course, getting still paid by the Toronto Raptors. So there's no added financial incentive for him to actually coach this year because he gets a set number, which ends at the end of July. So uh, he's there, commentary gigs. Of course, he's a, he's a legend when it comes to coaching, in particular, the Wildcats. They were struggling. Now they look like they might be the best team, or at least they've been the best-performed team in the last month. And Friday night was a big one. Got down. Jonah Bolton was good. Kings had them on the ropes. But in the end, Bryce Cotton gets them home. How do you see Perth? Where do you see Perth and Sydney? Are they, are they neck and neck? Do you have one marginal in front of the other? I've, I've got my concerns have grown last I mean, you talk about the, the fever break, but even the game before that with Sydney, because it's another one that uh, if they don't have everybody healthy for long enough going into the business end of the season, I'm just not sure they'll figure it out because they've got so many guys who deserve minutes. Jalen Galloway's in. Uh, they started pretty well uh, with DJ Hogue was injured. Now he's got to find his groove and this new style of play. It's kind of hard to figure out when you've got so many key pieces coming in and out. So I've got some questions there. I still think they'll be really good and really tough to beat in January. And Perth, I mean, it seems like uh, it was rocket science at the time when it shouldn't be, but just to have Bryce Cotton involved in nearly every play. He doesn't have to shoot it every time, but good things will happen down the end of a game because he knows how to take over. And uh, right now, you probably say he's leading the MVP charge and Perth are right back in the conversation. Pete Hawley joins us, of course, NBL analyst, ESPN, SEN, basketball as well. He's across it all when it comes to the, the league here and, of course, the NBA, which you might touch on in a moment, but I, there's, out of every club right now, we're, we're 15 or so games into this season, halfway home, you kind of get a fair feel. I think Melbourne are the best team. I think Tasmania, Sydney and Perth are right there on the back of them. I just have, you know, like teams like, you know, Illawarra, you know, Brisbane are okay. They'll win enough games maybe to give themselves a chance. But I have a fair idea about every team. Bar South East Melbourne. Now, they won on the weekend. They beat New Zealand, but they kind of got a little lucky. The, the game was there for the breakers in a fourth quarter, which they didn't take. Are you a Southeast Melbourne Phoenix can make a deep playoff run guy, or are you a guy that 
suggests they can make the play-in, but they're not really going to be in the fighting for that, maybe a championship. Oh, I think they'll definitely be in the play-in. What I want to see is the next couple of games with this new mover, Will Cummings, coming off the bench. And uh, I think the injury to Craig Moller is, uh, is going to be really painful for them because you don't have too many of those guys who can impact a game without touching the ball. And, and he's one of those guys. And what happens then? Um, is going to be the interesting thing uh, with that. And, and defensively, we've always had the concerns with the Phoenix. But, um, yeah, Will Cummings coming off the bench, it looked good for them. But what happens in, in a, a do-or-die game defensively? Do they have enough pieces to stand up? And uh, I'm not sure, but they'll definitely be around the mark. And as we said, if you string it all together come middle of January and going forward, then who knows what could happen. The NBA is... Interesting when it's 82 games over the year and, and Adam Silver and the uh, the hierarchy realised this and introduced this pre-season tournament or in-season rather, in-season tournament, which will culminate. Uh, we're into the quarterfinals today. It'll culminate in Vegas in a week and a half time. I think it might even be on the weekend. Either which way, it has got me interested at this particular time, Peter. Are you a in-season NBA tournament man? I am 99% in. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it except for the Chicago Bulls home court. I think it's one of the worst things I've ever seen that that bright red. Besides that, I like all the courts. I like everything else they've done. Um, the hype around it, and I, I was worried the players wouldn't buy in. Because mm. the players, I think they get 500 grand each yep. or if they win, which for them, the bench guys would be huge, I'm sure. But like for the main guys, it's it's not even pocket change. You wouldn't even bend over to pick it up for, for half of the guys like Jason Tatum, etc. But they seem to have really bought into it, and they, it's added a different level of excitement. Um, and I guess the only other negative I don't like is there was no games yesterday because they were preparing for the games today and mm. tomorrow. And, Normally, we're, unless it's, I think it's uh, Thanksgiving in America, there's NBA games on every day. So that's probably my only two cons. It's hard to believe. Everything in the NBA is led by LeBron James. So uh, if he has the intensity or he takes a particular way of, of playing games and, and brings it each and every night, then traditionally that filters down around the league. And it was going to be huge on if LeBron James is actually actively keen on making sure this tournament is something for the Lakers. Of course, they've done it well when it comes to regular season wins and win-loss record. It's hard to believe, though. As you touched on, 500 grand is a lot of money for 99.99% of the people in this world. LeBron James is one of those at $500,000 isn't a great deal. But it, I think it lends to his tight arsery, to be fair, Pete, because he's been hell-bent on trying to get the Lakers these wins in a 500K. I think it's more the fact that I'm, I don't think everybody's sold on the Lakers actually winning the title. So if they can win True. this, you've just got to win a couple of games, then uh, they go into it and say they've got some sort of trophy, the first ever in-season tournament NBA Cup, and... Uh, they kind of hang their hat on that because I'm, yeah, I don't see them contending overall. And um, but yeah, it's definitely fun to see everybody buying in, and I think it's only going to get better once they look back at it and say, what can we improve on? And I mean, you've got guys coming into the game today saying they're looking forward to a trip to Vegas midway through the season. <laughs> so it sounds like it's a bunch of Dennis Rodman all over again, but we get to watch some hoops. I want to point out that the court, as bad as it is in Chicago, is absolutely not the worst thing to come out of Chicago this year. That team is just <laughs> absolutely sucks. Hey, I'll just quickly ask you, too, about the Boomers because uh, you, you touched on the fact there's NBA players, Australian players, of course, playing good basketball. I think Dyson Daniels has had a really good start to the year. Josh Green, likewise. But I want to ask you about Patty Mills. He's not playing. He's not playing. He's at Atlanta. This happens in the NBA. This happens late careers, depending on where the franchise is. It, it happens all the time. So what Paddy Mills is, is going through right now happens a lot. But it doesn't happen a great deal leading into an Olympic Games where he is the pillar of the boomers. How, how does Brian Gorgian look at this and play this over the next sort of seven or eight months towards Paris? 
it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people were saying, okay, you take Paddy to Paris and he'll be a sixth man coming off the bench. And, okay, that's all well and good. I think he could be a superstar in that role for us in Paris. But who's our main guy then offensively to kick the, the ball over, kick the scoreboard over in a starting five? Is it, is it Josh Green? Is, is he ready for that kind of uh, um, responsibility, sorry, to, to step up and do that? I'm not sure they have anyone around, I mean, we saw what happened, how desperately they needed shooting. So I, I still think they're going to have to lean on, on Paddy a lot in Paris. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot for Gore to think about from now until he picks that team. So you, you would still 100% pick Paddy Mills? Oh, he's going. Yep. Yeah, you can't not. I think you're 100%. A lot of people want to say that Ingles shouldn't be there. I think that uh, even if you don't want to play him, I think you've got to take him in the 12. But you see just in the locker room and just that kind of level head guy to to kind of help guys get through an Olympic tournament, which is a completely different setup for what a World Cup is in terms of tournament layout as well. And it's just the locker room value he's brought to Orlando this season has clearly been crucial as well. So I think he'd be on the team. Whether he plays a whole lot, I don't think. I, it's weird to say, but the actual Olympics in the basketball is easier than the World Cup. Less exactly. teams, uh, the, mm-hmm. the qualifying phases in Europe knock out some of these high-profile teams who are really good. So... Uh, it is interesting, and Joey Ingles having a, a very nice season for a surprising, a really surprising Orlando Magic who are playing great basketball. Uh, Pete, as always, thank you. Thanks, brother. Beautifully done. Pete Hawley, number one analyst in the NBL. You can hear him ESPN commentating over the course of the weekend and a big part of NBL and basketball here on the SEN Network. All right, we've got some time. We Have we, have we got a name yet from the Melbourne Stars? We haven't. So they're in the Nets. We're going to play Melbourne Stars Lucky Dip in around 20 minutes' time. We're going to call a number. And someone is going to talk to us. But before that, we want you to talk to me. The Werribee Kia open line is open. one 736 736 for Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, warehouse. Here we go. $100 Peter Jackson voucher up for grabs right now. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything. Which suits from three hundred ninety nine dollars. So one hundred dollar Peter, Peter Jackson. There it is. Thank you, A Rod. It is a hundred dollar Peter Jackson voucher up for grabs. We touched on Club Mandalay. Eighteen holes of golf. You and your mate grab a cart. Why walk? You're not a pro. Get eighteen holes of golf for two. There's drinks in the cart midweek for just ninety nine dollars as well. So jump on clubmandalay.com.au or call me right now and I will send you down there. Or a Bataki ham. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. So the first three callers that I like. On the back of who is your summer sport hero gets to choose what prize they want. one 736 736 to get involved. Stars not far away. James Jordan as well. The new swan. Kelsey Brown in studio. It's a big Tuesday. Your call's next on Dwayne's World.